0: but that's what it is here in August. Welcome to our party. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting weekly garden program. We call it the Consult Gardener, and I'm your host of horticulture, Spelder Rushing. Our program producer is also Java Chapman, and for the next hour or so, we're going to have some fun. have got some cheesy music coming up, including some things submitted by y'all. Um, And we're gonna. I got some emails and a few timely tips for this time of year. But it's a live call-in program, so get ready to give us a call if you got questions or comments or just things you want to talk about. Ready to garden? We'll be right here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Again, the Gestalt Gardener. We'll be right back after a little bit of news and learn how to get dirty.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, don't you know.
2: Welcome
0: back to Porticulture Rushing. I hope we can muddle through this right now. John, how's it sound to you over there? Okay.
3: Yeah, you're sounding way better now. We're sounding way better now.
0: <laughs> okay, well, you know, it's just been, it's been a really weird weather, a lot of rain and everything. I'm still over in England for the next uh, oh, couple of three weeks or so. And uh, anyway, let's just try to muddle through and have a good time. You know, it's just gardening and gardening. You know, the weather and gardening ain't always great. Sometimes the weather on the radio ain't perfect either. But anyway, if you want to give us a call, folks, it is toll free. It's live here on MPB. We do this every Friday and rebroadcast on Saturday and just like we do Monday through Friday with all sorts of local, uh, locally produced programs by local experts, talking to local folks. you want know, to give me a call, it's toll free one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven mpb uh, Don't know what those numbers are, but I kind of can't remember numbers anyway. But uh, anyway, let me throw out a couple of things that are, that are going on right now or uh, are coming up. Um, I try to promote local garden events as best I can, and that can be pretty much anywhere uh, in our area. Uh, I've got several coming up uh, starting next week, uh, coming up on August the 7th. This is going to be a lecture at the Museum of Natural Science there in Jackson. Uh, it's about Audrey Harrison, and she's going to be talking about different kinds of native milkweeds and other milkweeds and monarch butterflies in Mississippi. Good opportunity to, to learn about all sorts of stuff. You've got kids who like to take there. I'm sure they'd be welcome, too. Uh, then coming up a couple of weeks after that, August the 25th, there's two events. Two different summer native plant events uh, going on. One's going to be down in South Mississippi at Crosby Arboretum. Uh, at, and um, that's on August the 25th. And then there's a workshop on how to plant your own prairie wildflower garden in Tishomingo State Park, way up in the what I call the icebox, the northeast corner of Mississippi. Anywhere, you know, if you're over in, the, in western Alabama, listen to this, you're welcome to. How to plant your own prairie wildflower garden. It's going to be at Tishomingo State Park. If you'd like more information about this, the Museum of Natural Science has got it. If you'll go to just Google Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, it'll take you to to the information page. Um let me see also coming up this fall there's gonna be a couple of things that are that are going on um uh, about wildflowers. There's going to be a really big conference in October. And I know that sounds like a long ways off, but it's only a couple of months or so. But there's a really big thing called Cultivate Wild. It's a two-day native plants conference. They got all sorts of really high-end speakers from all over, local, regional, uh, and national. Uh, They're going have conferences. Anyway, it's going to, it's pro- produced by the Memphis Horticultural Society. It's going to be at the, uh, uh, where the, the, I guess it's going to be I don't know, see where it's going to be. It's probably going to be there at the uh, Botanic Garden in Memphis. Anyway, if you'd like some information on that, shoot me an email. A uh, couple of other things real quick. Uh, James Del Prince, uh, a friend of mine who's a horticulturist with the uh, MSU Cultural Research Extension Center, uh, is an internationally famous celebrity floral designer. I mean, he's really, really well known. He's got a real interesting floral design class and workshops uh, starting in late August. And uh, new ones every month. If you like information about that, uh, just see if you can remember coastal.msstate.edu, dot edu. Coastal dot dot edu. If you like some more information on that, I'll be real glad to to share that with you. Shoot me an email anytime. Garden at mpvonline dot org. That's a call-in program, folks. I've got some fun and some really timely uh, emails to share with you. A little bit of uh, cheesy music to share, but. Just I want to just talk about folks in real time about what's going on real gardens. Let's go down to the Gulf Coast and talk with Brian. Good morning Brian. how are you sir hey, hey good morning thanks for having me on. you bet what's up uh yeah I was
4: just uh i was curious i, I moved here from California about uh uh seven years ago uh and we 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 transplanted uh-huh. our whole family down here uh, there's one there's one or two things that we kind of miss from California and uh one of them is uh, like the redwoods and sequoias that are over there. And, you know, they, they sell the uh, the seed pods and the little kits for planting them um, and, yeah. uh, you know, for tourists. And we've got a couple of them, and we're just wondering um, what, the, what the feasibility would be if we planted them in our yard. We've got a pretty good, good-sized yard. If we planted them in our yard, what, what the feasibility would be for them to actually grow
0: well, first of all, you know you, you have an experience with your kids, and whether or not it works out in the long run, the important thing is 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 to do something with your kids. Um, yeah. But between you and me, sequo- sequoias really don't like our hot, humid climate. You know, up in Northern California, you get you get north of the of the Bay Area where they grow. It's uh, it, it's it's like a. Uh, it's like a rainforest, and most important, it cools down at night, and that's the real kicker for a lot of California plants. They can take our summer heat; I mean, they'll, they'll grow out in in in, in out, down the Central Valley, but they right. won't take our hot, humid nights. So that's the problem. If you want something like that, though, see if you can find what's called a metasequoia. It's an ancient plant. It's like a it's like a cypress tree on steroids, and it grows great. And you really
4: can't tell it from a sequoia. Okay, that's pretty cool. And uh, and my other question was, is, uh, out in California, they they plant a lot of things out in the sand dunes called ice plant, and uh, kind of helps with yeah. erosion and it helps with sand blowing all over right. the highway and everything. We have a problem with that on the Mississippi Gulf Coast—the sand blowing on the highway—and uh, yeah, uh, would you would you recommend introducing something like an ice plant to help cut down on that? Well, it's
0: it's another good question, and uh, different kinds of uh, of, of dunes stabilization plants have been tried, including a lot of our native dune grasses. Um, the, the, one of the problems with the, in California you've got those steep slopes and all, and it's really more of an erosion problem much of a blowing thing. And uh, most of the ice plants will unfortunately not do as well. There is one called red apples. It's a small leaflet. It's got pretty little red flowers. And it's a great plant for the Gulf Coast. Uh, and I forget the, other, the Latin name, but it's, it's uh, just look up ice plant red apples. Uh, but as far okay. as using them to stabilize stuff on the coast, you know, we have a whole different kind of wind, you know, and it's flat on the coast unlike uh, most of California. And I'm afraid yeah. those uh, those ice plants just get buried like everything else. So I think it's better to stick with the native uh, dune plants that we've got in our area. Really do. Even though okay. I love ice plants, it's probably not the best choice for our coast. Gotcha. Okay, thank you. Okay, hey now, now keep in mind, uh, Brian, I lived in California for a long time. I lecture on the West Coast all the time. Oh, I wow. speak California. So any way I can – I, I lived in San Diego a couple of times. Any way I can help you uh, interpret stuff, shoot me an email and give us a call. No problem. Be glad to help. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. All right. Appreciate it. Okay, One eight seven seven mpb ring If you like numbers, it's 877 672 or, uh, give us a call. Let's go down. Uh, other, really not very far from Biloxi, other side of the, the Mississippi coast to pass Christiane. Good morning, Mike. What's going on this morning?
1: Hey, Feller, how you doing? Appreciate your time. I'm doing
0: uh, fine. Got got a question.
1: I had to, I did a soil sample on my garden, and my pH is way too high. It's about eight.
0: Yeah. What can I do right. to help that? Well, for, first of all, eight is not really that too high most most plants do well six point five to seven point five even up to eight so it's really not that high unless you're trying to grow azaleas or blueberries so right off of that okay. I wouldn't worry about it with most plants uh, if you look around there's a lot of plants growing perfectly well nobody messes with it at all uh, but as far as what you do practically we we you can try to lower the pH acidifier by adding this stuff called sulfur to the soil uh, you can get liquid I'm soil not- acidifiers but Sulfur, but they don't really help that much, and they don't help in the long run. So, in the most for the most part, I would just add organic matter to your soil and use a good bark mulch. As it decomposes, it'll add some natural acids to your soil, and then I really wouldn't worry too much about eight point zero. Really, wouldn't. Okay, got got one more
1: question. Lavender. We've been trying sure. to grow a little lavender and haven't had any luck. Uh,
0: yeah, there's what, uh
1: What does the pH grow lavender?
0: It's not so much the pH of lavender. What lavender doesn't like is a hot summer night. I mean, it doesn't like heat and humidity. Lavender grows great in France and England, grows up in the mountains, it grows in California. But where it gets hot and humid all night long, lavender just melts. So there's a couple of things to try. First of all, there is a new type of lavender that was just introduced a few years ago. And I'm sorry, if you'll stay tuned, somebody will help me. I can't remember the name of it. But it's a specific new variety. Yeah, well, and also, any of the Spanish lavenders, they have sort of a funny little foam-shaped flower with a little uh, Mickey Mouse ears on top. Spanish lavender yeah. does really, really well on the coast, but that's about it. It's not a pH thing. It's more of a drainage and humidity thing. Yeah, okay. Well, we planted
1: ours up on a bed, you know, where it would drain off, but it just yeah. man, it just didn't
0: like it. No, it it doesn't. But uh, the, the thing with lavender, their roots will rot if you just throw a cup of humidity at them. So if you'll work up your dirt and add some grit to it, you know, not gravel, but this gritty stuff, uh, anything to 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 make it wet, almost like growing it in sand with a little uh, soil added to it, that'll help a lot. They'll take drought, but they will not take staying wet when it's hot and humid. Okay, okay. Time Good luck on man. Time for the fall garden, I guess, isn't it?
1: At times,
0: you know, this This week, uh, you know, there on the coast, you still got a couple, of three weeks when you can plant fall stuff, uh, summer stuff. Or you can start planting fall stuff like broccoli and cabbage. The plants haven't really shown up at the garden centers yet, but as soon as they do, you can start planting those. and You can still get in a summer garden if you want to try that.
1: Yeah, I'm doing a little more on that. I have fresh green beans now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, see, those things, they grow well in hot weather and they actually produce better when it starts cooling down in September, October, early November. So you can actually get a really good crop in the fall. Yep. So, okay, Felder. Thank you so all much. Right, I mean, hey, good, good luck on that lavender. Thank uh, you. Folks, Thank I cannot you. remember the, you bet, you bet appreciate it. Uh, that was Mike and past Christiane. I cannot remember the name of this lavender there's energies I've, I've talked about it several times. I just can't remember of it, but it's. Somebody help me out on that. Anyway, let's line up to Oxford. Good morning, Bruce. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Felder. Uh, I had talked
1: with you uh, last year about um, a chrysanthemum that you said was very hardy in Mississippi. Yeah. And I can't remember the name of it, but I had emailed you because I wanted to acquire some, and I never got a response.
0: Huh. You know that's funny because I get emails about that all the time. I'll go back and double check You know if you email, but shoot me another one just in case. Anyway, the name of it, the most common one is called Clara Curtis. It's not a that's cushion right. mom. It's not a florist. It's not a cut flower mom. It's called um, I think it's you moro- Anyway, I can't remember the the, the 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 species of it, but it's a different kind of chrysanthemum. And there's actually five or or six or seven or eight different kinds, but Clara Curtis is the one you're most likely to find locally. Uh, I was over in Alabama uh, a few weeks ago back in the the late spring, and I picked up eight different kinds of it besides Clara Curtis at a place called, uh, um, I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, it's uh, Eden, uh, Eden something... Anyway, I'll 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 research it while I'm on the line. But you can you can mail orders from the different kinds. Claire Clara Curtis is the one to start with.
1: Okay. Well, let me have your email address again, and I'll, I'll I'll send you an email.
0: Okay. do no, appreciate it. Yeah, I've got the I've in, in uh, Java. I had written to uh to Liz there at MPB about this for some reason. Some of the emails that you send me get thrown into my spam folder, but I've been going through there the past uh, three weeks and and forward put them back in the inbox. so we got to because some of you send me come straight to my email, some don't but anyway, uh, folks if you want to give me an email, at least give it a try. garden at mtvonline dot org. Let's take a real quick break and come back with more of the Gestalt gardener here on MTV right after this. Welcome back, Horticulture Felder Rushing. And before we get to some calls, we've got uh, some lines open. It's toll free one eight seven seven MTB ring Before we do that, I've been asking folks to send in some, uh, some clean lyrics to this Dear Felder, Dear Felder, along the line of John Prine's Dear Abby, Dear Abby. And uh, they're all uh, sung and, and uh, performed by Gus Mohammed from Belzona. And here's this week's version of Dear Felder, Dear Felder by lyrics sent in from y'all.
2: Dear Felder, dear Felder, I just wanna know how you came up with a name for your show. It's all about plants and flowers and trees, but the first time you said it, I thought you had sneezed. Sign Gesundheit, 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 I'll try to explain way that I pick this particular name. Gestalt is a word that's German to start. and means that the whole exceeds the sum of its parts. Signed, dear Felder, dear Felder, dear Felder, the question I pose has to do with the sin of a rose. I grow in manure and are fit. As a fiddle But they don't smell like poopy Can you answer this riddle? Sign Real Fragrant Dear Fragrant, dear Fragrant This answer you seek Are little monoterpenes That all roses leak They're alcohol-based And they're found in this flower And if we all had them We'd never have to shower Sign
0: all righty, folks, I hope you enjoy that. Hey, if you've got some ideas and some lyrics along those lines, shoot them to us in an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Me and Gus are having a whole lot of fun with this. Hope you all are, too. By the way, the Mississippi Press Association uh, sends my weekly uh, column to dozens of local weekly and daily newspapers across the state. Uh, this week is about how I take and process digital photographs in my garden and share them with others. A few tips on it uh, all of you mo- most of you know how to do this and no problem at all, but if you 're interested in the uh, little garden photography, how to share with others, digital camera has done probably as much as anything else in the past half a century to connect people with their gardens and each other so anyway, a few tips on that. Uh, If your local paper doesn't carry the column, uh, ask the editor. It's uh, free through the Mississippi Press Association. Know that uh, uh, newsprint and space are kind of tight, but you know, let's just having a lot of fun. Not your usual home -home how-to advice, and um, I've been having a lot of fun. Uh, Anyway, a quick warning to whoever cut and stole the sunflowers in Jesse Yancey's urban corner garden in Jackson. Jesse Yancey an old friend of mine. He's got a, a little gerb, uh, ger, uh, urban gorilla garden where he plants flowers and vegetables and all herbs and stuff on the street corner in a neighborhood of Jackson called Bellhaven. This week, somebody came by and cut his sunflower heads, probably to use as a flower arrangement. Shame on you, but even worse than that, Santa Claus knows where you live. You know, bad, bad, bad. Uh, Horticulture tidbit of the week. I've been harvesting uh, English peas over here in England. And uh, black-eyed peas would be in Mississippi. Black-eyed peas and English peas are not they are related, but they're nowhere near the same thing. Cow pea, black-eyed peas are a whole different creature, whole different creature entirely. They love hot, dry weather. And um, we have some other plants that really thrive in the, the heat of the Deep South, things that a lot of people appreciate but can't really grow as well as we do in the South. I'm thinking stuff like okra. And uh watermelons, sweet potatoes and and um, figs and things like that, so anyway, uh, black-eyed peas, cow peas are traditional in the south, they're native to Africa. they grow well in really hot, dry weather, which we have a lot of. that's one of the reasons why they become a staple of our diets. If you haven't planted those, you may not know the difference between a black-eyed pea and a Crowder pea, and I give you a couple of hints, Crowder peas. packed in the shell really tight so they have sort of like a flat end on each end so you can get more in the pond. Black-eyed peas are more constricted and more round. Uh, Also, crowder peas, for anybody who is raised right, they've got a lot better dark gravy. If you like to put your peas on your cornbread and you like that good dark gravy, crowder peas are the way to go. I'm not even going to get into red zipper peas and extreme peas and lady peas and all like that, but it's a fascinating group of of, uh, vegetables. They grow best for us, better than for anybody else. We have, haven't been growing any this summer. Not too late to plant some, but think about putting a few out there for their historic as well as a nutrition use. Um, if you've got some things you'd like to talk about, want to give me a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Um, and I'd uh, love to, to chat with you. You can send me a, an email also, garden at mpbonline.org. Um, I got music we play in just a a few minutes, but let me share uh, a couple of emails that are pretty timely. One is from a fellow named Robert LeMay. Robert said, my hummingbird feeders have grown a film that's floated to the top and formed sort of a translucent ball in the free space above the sugar water. Is my sugar water bad? And the answer is, yeah. Sugar water goes off, it ferments and gets bacteria in it really, really quick in in our hot weather. If you're putting out uh, uh, sugar water for hummingbirds, it's really good to change it at least once a week, once a week. Otherwise, it goes bad, and there's actually a bacteria that can build up that could possibly cause problems with the hummingbirds. But get this. When you clean your feeder out, hummingbird feeders, here's a trick that I I didn't know until for a long time. Don't wash them out with soapy water, with dish detergent. Don't wash them like that because it leaves a film that causes your sugar water to slide out too fast. Instead, uh, in between, you know, go ahead and just ruffle in a pot of water and boil them for a few minutes. Boil your feeder. Uh, that sterilizes and that causes it to be too slippery later. And when you're making your sugar water solution, go ahead and use some boiled water for that, too, to make sure it starts out with the best shot it gets. If you have a little bit left over, slide in the refrigerator. Keep it there until it's time to fill your feeder. Uh, also, one other thing. Um, Diane Lockman says she's at noon in Georgia and has problems with her female laboratory causing yellow spot, pea spots on her lawn. What she can, can she do? And the truth is, not much. You can water the spots as soon as you can. That dilutes the, the urea that causes the – really, it's is causing to grow too fast. It burns it up with fertilizer. Also, I suggest that she check with her vet and see if maybe she's feeding her dog a little bit too high a protein diet. That can help also. Meanwhile, let's go up to Greenwood, see what Bill's going. Bill, has it rained in the Delta at all lately?
1: Uh, We had some rain uh, a little bit, like four or five days ago, but we sure need some, and I don't think we're going to get none for a while.
0: Oh, well, man, nothing to hunker down, right? I'm from the Delta. How's how's the weather there in uh, England? Is Is it cool or hot or what? Well, they're they're having heat waves. They're warning people of uh, you know top of the news is all the the, the heat warnings and stuff. And we're talking about eighty eight, ninety degrees, and it cools down oh. at night. You know, so they, but the problem is they don't have air conditioners. They don't have, they don't have to act like it's it hot. But uh, yeah. anyway, what's going on with you? What's up? Well, I was watching this program
1: about Austria. And I saw this pretty little flower growing up in the mountains called Edelweiss. Uh, I think it grows yep. in Germany and Switzerland too. I'm wondering, could I grow it here? Probably not, but I'd like to try. But where do you get seeds at?
0: Uh, that's, that's a good question. That's the kind of thing where I, I used to know about it, but I can't remember. I, I do know that it that it re- it's in the daisy and sunflower family. I can tell you that it looks like a little uh, like a, a weird little little daisy thing, a, da- yeah. a daisy looking thing. It's kind of challenging though. It, it really needs. Not just the elevation, uh, it's a funny-looking flower. It needs not just the high elevation, but also needs to, to cool off a, a lot, which we just don't have but I'll give you an idea, it grows in Canada. Oh, and, it does? Uh, We have a few plants. That gr- yeah, there's a few plants Ooh. that grow in Canada that grow in Mississippi, but that's not one of the best ones. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the biggest problem is really, it really doesn't like uh, a lot of water. So if you want to give it a try, put it in a place where – not hot sun all day and try not to overwater it. And we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, i like to. You know, it's from the the, the song is in that uh, sound the music's uh, movie. Edelweiss? right? Right, and it's a, oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's,
0: it's an old folk it's, song. It's, it's
1: called an algae, alpine, I think. Right.
0: Well, like it's a native plant to that to the alpine. It's an alpine plant. But like I say, it's in the daisy family, little little fuzzy white flower, kind of a compact, low-growing thing that grows better in a real gritty type of soil as you find, you know, like on the side of the mountain where it's just mostly rock rubble and stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, cheering. Oh uh, old chap. We'll talk <laughs> to you later, Felder. <laughs> Pretty, appreciate
0: it. I'll be back soon enough. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Yes, indeed. Eelvice, um. Let me, uh, another email I got this past week, and this is really timely. Um, this is from uh, a fellow who took my advice on spraying for chinch bugs. He wrote, he said, you advise me on how to treat a lawn for chinch bugs. And by the way, folks, chinch bugs are more of a problem with St. Augustine and centipede, and they cause big, irregular yellow and brown areas. They can kill the grass. They kill the grass in my friend uh, uh, Robert Shivers' garden at front yard, just hotter, drier, and if you see brown dying areas that kind of ragged, there's not a curve or anything, this time of year, it's going to be chinch bugs. They're little tiny members of the stink bug family, about the size of an ant, and they actually poison the grass as they feed on it. So you can kill all the chinch bugs you want. It's going to come, uh, but, but the grass is going to continue to die for uh, a week or two after that just from being poisoned. Anyway, he said, uh, we had a professional spraying done. They sprayed uh, one of the products I recommended, um, but the problem is, it's in a wonderful neighbor's yard also. So they got a neighbor, a really good neighbor, has got chinch bugs. He said they're not aware of the problem, so uh, should we? What, what should we do? Uh, how can I address it? Will spraying our lawn protect from further infestation? Uh, the truth is, spraying doesn't prevent chinch bugs. The insecticides we have these days are designed to, to break down pretty quickly in the environment, which is a good thing. So you have to wait until you have an infestation, whether it's Chinch bugs or, or mosquitoes or anything, whatever, you have to treat the ones that are there rather than prevent them. It takes at least a couple of sprays, a few days or a week or so apart, and uh, that's about all you can do. As far as the neighbor, I suggest talking to them about it, hoping that they see the light, because you can't just go out and start spraying somebody else's yard with pesticides. It might be an organic gardener or something. So, anyway, chinch bugs are showing up. They're really bad. You have to jump on them. Two sprays a few days up to a week apart, plenty of water to soak the, the area, and uh, the insect is going to be gone probably by the next day. Uh, we're going to th- do a little cheesy tune in just a second. Uh, we'd like to give me a call if you want to. It's toll-free, 1-877-MTV-RING. Uh, this particular song was uh, sent it's, uh, was, was recommended by a caller, and uh, I have some notes about it. I uh, can't, can't find my notes on that one. Let's just put it this way. It, when it was introduced in 1962. It's seven minutes long. And within two weeks, I mean, w- within just a, a few months, it started uh, being one of the top songs of the year. And it's called, oh, I played it when I was in the Navy band here in Vietnam. Anyway, Herbie Hancock wrote it. But this version is by Mungo Santa Maria in 1962. It's called Watermelon Man. I appreciate that. Um, William of Ponotox, a, a suggestion, we'll be back after this.
3: And get to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio
0: are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. fellow rushing. hope you enjoyed that little tune. William a said it'd be a great one for this hot time of year and I agree. herbie Hancock had composed that a watermelon man back in the nineteen sixty two uh from uh from a fellow who's come down the street uh, in, in Chicago selling fruits uh anyway, and his friend uh Mongo Santamaria, uh got permission to redo it as a shorter version. Hope you like that. I played that when I was in the Navy band a long, long time ago um one of the emails I got, if you want to give us a call, by the way, it's toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Um, got a, a, an email from Seth Sally. He said he has a limestone gravel garden on the side of his house. And uh, he's concerned about what kind of plants were growing it, because limestone, as you know, is alkaline. Uh, and what I wrote back was it's not really that big a deal. As long as you plant the things pretty good, you know, work up the dirt really well, add a little bark or some compost or something to your soil, and help the plants get established, the mulch on top is not going to affect the pH that much. It's really, really, really not. Uh, so the, I wouldn't worry too much about that at all. There are some plants that do well in an alkaline soil, though. Uh, they're real common with hollies do, Nandina does. Uh, some of you know the plant called Rosa Sharon or Althea. Uh, it's a great plant for, 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 for alkaline soils. Um, also, Cleara, Junipers. Uh, you see cedar trees growing in outcroppings of, of just pure limestone um, in, in parts of the state. Uh, anyway, a lot of potted plants do that too. Anyway, it's normally not a problem using the crushed limestone as a, as a mulch for your plants. It's just not. So I wouldn't worry about that at all. You want to give us a call? Toll free, one eight seven mtb Let's slide down to Long Beach. Hey, Terry, thank you for calling. Hey, Zelda, thank you. Hello. Um, my,
4: I have a sure. problem with poison ivy. I'm highly allergic to it, yeah. and it's been coming from a neighbor's yard where, you know, yeah. they don't, it's a rental. They don't, it grows up the trees, over the fence, and now I'm even finding that it's like, Made its way to my front yard. These are 130 foot, and I'm alert. I'm very allergic to it.
0: How, what do? What yeah. Do I do? Well, uh, a couple of things. First of all, I'm I'm extremely allergic to it. My son, who yeah, a, <laughs> was a Marine for a long yeah. time, and he was an Army officer. He just sent a picture of his arms and neck is just completely covered with the thing. So we, we've always been allergic to it. But As far as what you can do about it, really. As far as I'm concerned, there's only one good solution. And a lot of people don't like to hear this. I'm sorry as I okay. can be, but I'm being really honest about this. If you can find where it's coming from, you can cut straight down between you and it. And that and stuff on your side, you can kill. Uh, stuff that's on their side, you know, there's not much you can do about that unless you let them in, in your yard. I actually went to my neighbor's yard and got permission to kill the poison I was growing to my fence, and that worked. The only thing I know that's really effective... And, it's, and I'm convinced it's okay for the environment and your health, uh-huh. is to wet the foliage with Roundup or something similar. There's no other herbicide that's going to be as effective or as safe for the environment. All the other uh, alternatives are much, much worse. They've been banned in a lot of places. So other than round- wetting the foliage, that's right, round or, or any or of what? the products that have that, what's that? Roundup or what? Uh, Roundup is a brand name. The the active ingredient in it is uh, called glyphosate. It's found in other brands. I, I'm not recommending just one brand is all I'm saying. But anything that's light, Roundup, it only kills what you put it on the leaves of and only if they're actively growing. So if you can get your little brush or a squirt bottle and tr- don't get it on the leaves of other things, it won't hurt tree trunks or soil or anything, and it'll decompose into carbohydrates. I'm real sure that it's safe for you to... To spot treat a little poison eye with Roundup, I'm personally familiar with it. It works extremely well once and for all on poison eye. I've done it many times in a lot of different places. only thing I can recommend that I feel good about.
4: Okay. Well, I'll have to use more Roundup because this grows even under, you know, thick um, roots. So it kills little yeah. leaves, but the roots just, they sprout up the, a foot. The- you know, well, way the,
0: the way the the way Roundup works, is it's absorbed in the active foliage, only in the green stuff, and it moves within the plant down, and it kills the roots. See, so it so it's really important that the plant be actively growing. I wouldn't do it until uh, after we've had a good rain or something like that, or if you can just live with it over the summertime. When it comes up in the spring, it's real easy to kill, and it kills the roots and all. Again, I've done this many, many times. Okay, thank you so much. Good luck. (laughs) I empathize with it. Poison ivy. By the way, folks, if you've got big poison ivy vines, big honeysuckle vines, vines are going way up in your trees, if you'll take a hatchet and just cut into into the, 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 the vine close to the ground, above there will die, and you can get somebody else to pull it down later, but it'll make it branch out close to the ground so you don't have to use as much herbicide. It doesn't have as far to go to kill the roots. It's a whole lot more effective to cut the stuff down and to spray the new growth. And I always get emails from people saying I'm a bad person for recommending Roundup. I'm sorry as I can be because I can't find any I can't find anything that keeps me from sticking to that recommendation. And yeah, I'm familiar with research. Not talking about agribusiness. I'm talking about squirting it on the leaves of poison ivy, uh, honeysuckle, other hard to kill vines, wisteria, without hurting your tree trunks and soil nearby. Anyway, if you want to give me a call, or if you want to send me an email, I'm, I'm not going to be a jerk about it. I'd be glad to explain my position. So give us a call though. It's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. We've got the lines wide open right now. If you want to give, give us a call and and, and chat about it. Um, one of the things that I got a uh, uh, an interesting email about somebody wanted to dose some fragrant plants to put around a screen porch, and I'm thinking, you know, for part sun, so I think gardenias would be good. Gardenia shrubs. I don't think anything is to me is better than planting four o'clocks. Four o'clocks will grow in the sun. They'll grow in the shade, and they open up late in the afternoon. And they are one of the most fragrant things. But get this, they're also terrific pollinator plants for hummingbirds during the day. And there's a great big nightfly sphinx moth, a hawk moth that comes out late at night that, that feeds on the flowers also. So old-fashioned four o'clock is what Thomas Jefferson called the marvel of Peru. That's a great one for good southern garden. It's a perennial plant. Uh, it gets about old oh, way size, sometimes a little bit bigger. But four o'clock would be good. Um, one of the emails I got this past week was somebody whose gardenias were showing bright yellow leaves. Wanted to know what the problem was. Uh, and truth is, when plants are under stress, the older leaves, the ones from last year or the earliest from this year, uh, they tend to be the first ones to shed. And in the case of gardenias, their leaves turn bright yellow first. Magnolias will do this too, if you've noticed. But it's the older leaves that do that. As long as the new growth looks fine, it's nice and green, we really not anything to worry about. You might want to prune the plant to, to uh, freshen it up, give it a good soaking. But that's pretty normal with gardenias to have bright yellow, older leaves. Uh, again, the numbers are wide. The uh, phones are wide open. You don't want to give us a call, toll free one eight seven mpb ring. Uh, I was at a restaurant the other day, and uh, where they used to have by the cash register, uh, little piles of match, bo- uh, you know, max butches, uh, little what it, I don't know what you call them, matches, a you know, little folder little cardboard thing, matches. Anyway, this place it has what looked like match boxes. You pick them up, and you, oh, instead of matches in there got little cardboard sticks, and each one has a couple of three little seeds stuck on it. You just pull these off and stick them in some dirt and water, and, and you can grow peppers and tomatoes and things like that. Instead of matchbooks of matches, these are matchbooks of flowers. We're going to take a quick break. If you want to give us a call, it's toll free one eight seven mtb ring got a few uh, events coming up this, week, uh, this, this fall uh, that are related to gardening. Be glad to help promote them if I can shoot me an email at garden at mpbonline.org. I also have a question I'd like to ask. If anybody who's listening has a copy of of the book that Steve Bender and I wrote called Pass Along Plants, if anybody listening has a copy of Pass Along Plants, I'm looking for a Latin name that I can't remember of a plant that's called Golden Glow. Golden Glow. I want to know what Steve Bender for Southern Living said the Latin name was. So, Anyway, if anybody's at home and got a copy of Pass Along Plants, Look up Golden Glow. Tell me what the Latin name is. I, I just can't remember. We'll be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. you will be MPB Ring right after this. All right, folks, welcome back again, Horticulture Cell Rushing. We're talking about gardening here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You tune in any time during the week, Monday through Friday, all morning, every morning, and hear all sorts of local folks talking about local issues, and a lot of them are are quite fun. All of them are very interesting. Anyway, you want to give me a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MTB-RING, and we're going to go to Florence now and talk with Roger. Hey, Roger, good morning.
5: Well, good morning to you,
0: where Leander. Got two things. Yes, sir. I'm, yeah, my heart's right in my little garden in Mississippi. I wish somebody was watering the, the truck garden I've got, but we'll see what makes it. You know, I do the acid test. If it can make it through the wintertime with no covering, summertime with no covering, that's a tough plan. We'll find out when I get on. What well, you got going on today? I'll swing by there and water it, and we'll get Robert Shivers to do it. <laughs> there you go.
5: Yeah, that, that'll be the day.
0: What can I help you with, man? My two items.
5: One is... A suggestion for one of your cheesy songs, and you may remember it, does spearmint lose its flavor on the bedpost open? I night? got
0: you. I got it. I just wrote it down. I, I know it well.
5: Yeah. and then the, I know it well. <laughs> the other hint is for Poison Ivy. I live down here at a place we named Green Hope, and we got the Poison Ivy. I think it's the capital of Poison Ivy, capital of Rankin County. But anyway, i wow. That poison ivy that you spread that spreads out on people's lawns and other places is probably coming from the berries way up in a tree nearby. In that case, of your caller, the tree in the next next yard. I go out and I find those big old vines going up the trees, and I cut them down near the ground somewhere, nice clean cut, and put round up right on the right on the. Uh, you know, the top of the thing and it's so clean you can tell it's going down where it does its job. So if you can find the roots or sneak over to the <laughs> the neighbor's yard in the nighttime and make a cut down near where they start growing, the vines, the big vines.
0: Yeah. Yeah. and I agree. Now round up the problem is it's a sore by green tissue, so you got to squirt it as soon as you make the cut. If you wait a little while then that heals over and doesn't work quite as well. So you got to chop and squirt, chop and squirt. Well, you're true. right. Poison ivy has a, it has a white berries and birds. But like, I have little seedlings coming up here. every now and then. My little flower beds where birds drop the seeds. Yeah,
5: that's true. Well, thanks for what you're doing.
0: Uh, all right. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I, I look up that tune. It's been a while since I, I heard that tune when I was a kid. appreciate it, man. Okay, and uh, by the way, folks, I was asking if anybody has a copy of the book called Pass Along Plants handy. Um, there's a plant in it uh Troy Holmes from furthest He found it growing in his parent's yard down near Summit, and uh, he wanted to know what to identify. It's an old apple house plant. A lot of people call it Golden Glow or Cut and Come Again. And uh Steve Benner from Southern Living and I had an argument about the Latin name, and I can't remember which one we agreed it was going to be on, so if anybody can tell me about that, I'd appreciate it. Meanwhile, let's slide down a
6: mobile. Hey, George, thank you for calling. What's up, man? Hey, fella. Uh, this is George Canada. Uh, I hope you can understand my deep southern accent. Actually, I'm from Germany. Fella, I like your show yeah. very much. And I have a question. Uh, weeds are growing everywhere in my yard and they grow faster than, uh, than everything else. So I collect leaves from the oak trees in my yard. Uh, and put yeah. them on flower beds, and then put pine straw on it in order uh, to uh, to let the leaves not grow and I have a discussion with my wife she says that 's not a good method. What is your opinion about that?
0: Okay now about you take the leaves, you chop them up, and then what do you do with them
6: well i I put them I put them just in in, in the flower beds. Cover cover right. the soil right. with leaves, just right. uh, an yeah. inch or two-inch thick, uh, two inch thick, and then put, in order to have it look nice, I put uh, pine straw on it.
0: Yeah. Here's a, a couple of things. First of all, each of those things will decompose. They're broken down by 30 and But the, the bigger the pieces, the woodier pieces, the longer they take. It would be better if you could run a lawnmower through it and break them up into small pieces first. As far as layering them, uh, if you put the leaves down first, earthworms will come up and eat them more quickly. But the pine straw and the sticks and things like that—they're just going to lay on the top as a mulch for a long time. It doesn't hurt anything. But uh, if you want to, if you break them up into pieces, they would—they would—they uh, would go back into the dirt a whole lot quicker and improve your soil. That's the only thing I would do—is just chop things as best you can. But it doesn't hurt anything. It's just no different from putting bark mulch on top of the
6: ground. So it doesn't hurt. Did I get you? I can hardly hear you, but but the method is okay. Is that what I hear? It's fine. It's fine. Sure is. It's fine. So there's no. The soil is not getting sour, or uh, the pH is not impacted uh, by the
0: leaves. Very decomposed. Pra- it's practically it. It almost can't be measured. It has a very very minor effect on the soil. It's not worth worrying about. Okay. 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 I appreciate it.
6: You made my day. Okay. Sarah, and as I said, I, I, it's fun listen, listening to you. Okay.
0: Appreciate well, thank it. you. I appreciate it a whole bunch. Okay. Thank well, a you lot very of people much. Have, have, thank you. A appreciate day. it. Thanks. A whole lot of people think uh, putting stuff on top of the dirt is going to have a real big effect in it.
3: And it seems we have lost Felder. If you want to uh, squeeze in one last call for the um, program, 1-877-672-7464. That's 1-877-MPB ring. Or you can um send us an email, garden at mpbonline dot org.
2: This Saturday at 7 p.m. on the Thacker Mountain Radio Hour, it's our show from the Neshoba County Fair featuring today's show chef and cookbook author Elizabeth High School and North Mississippi blues man Lightning Malcolm, plus country rockers Young Valley. That's this Saturday at 7 p.m. the Thacker Mountain Radio Hour on Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio.
3: Here Felder, you got me on my toes this morning, man.
0: <laughs> I put you—you you sent me a text and I pushed the all button. Sorry, <laughs> I, I only have one button to push and I shouldn't push it at all. Anyway, sorry about that. Let's go to Clydeen and Clamp. Hey, well, actually. Hey, Clyde, good-
3: Actually, in uh, actually in the ruckus we we lost Clydeen. Uh <laughs> but she but but her but her question was about plants for the fall garden. She's in Clinton, so I guess she was maybe talking about uh, pre- preparing uh, at this time of the year for her fall garden.
0: Okay, I I can handle that. Sorry about that, folks. I only have one button button, and I still push it wrong. If you want to plant stuff like like tomatoes and peppers and summertime stuff, you can do it if you do it this week or next. We have plenty of time for a fall-summer garden, and this, a lot of things will actually produce better in the fall. If you want to plant things that like cool weather, like broccoli and cabbage and lettuce, it's a little bit early because it's still kind of hot, but if you can work your dirt up and put some seeds in small plants and keep them moist, not wet, just get them through this next month, they'll do great. A little early for planting collars and cabbage and cauliflower. You can't get them at garden centers anyway. But So we're at the beginning, the early beginning of planting cool season stuff like lettuce and collars and, and uh, things like that. We're at the end of the time, but still plenty of time to plant tomatoes, peppers, uh, uh, beans, th- things like that. We have time before we get across, which is going to be three or four months from now. So anyway, I hope that helps. main thing right now is you need to keep the ground moist, not wet, which means when you plant stuff, cover it up with leaves. Make sure the ground is shaded from direct sun and also keep plants moist, not wet. We also, have a little bit more trouble with insects as the, disease, as the season goes on. We have plenty of time to talk about all that. We've got more things to share every week right here on MPB. This talk Gardener is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And um, my producer is laid back, (laughs) but extra hard working Java Chapman. And I'm your host, Bill and I'm going to be thinking of all of y'all as I start getting ready. I got me some new tool handles to bring back and uh, getting ready to to get back and start things here in my summer and fall garden. Uh, If you have a chance, take a kid to a farmer's market, take a kid to a gardener's center, give them an opportunity, show them how to do something simple, and learn how to do a weed. And that's at 30. See y'all next week.